What's going on? Everybody, you've got the card board coaches here with your boy, Coach Co. I am the sports card cartel. Together, the cartel and Coach Co are the cardboard coaches. We're picking up some steam. We're too sweet to be sour. We're too nice to be mean. Tim Hortons. That is correct. There you go. Um, <laughs> team, today we're going to be talking about uh, several things, actually. It's one of those like impromptu episodes. You'll like this. You guys usually do. Um, specifically starting off with some of the negative talking points in the hobby right now. Um, every now and then, obviously, we there's like an overwhelming amount of negativity. I find this is usually associated with people being bored. Um, and you know, I NBA All Star Weekend. We just had the NHL All Star Weekend. NFL football playoffs is over. Season's over. We're going into spring training, but we're not quite at the start of the MLB season yet. So there's a bit of a lull here, right? And and I have had to have conversations with people before about you know this is usually when markets start to dip and so on and so forth. So as a result of this. Um, I mean, there are a lot of people that are taking uh, several aspects of the hobby and, and wanting to talk about them in a negative light. And so we are on here today to discuss counterpoints, perhaps, um, maybe agree with some of them. The first one being 2023 Tops Series 1 just released. Uh, it was a big release, and it was a big release because it was the first release since Michael Rubin spoke about his marketing efforts and how he plans to market the living shit out of the sports card market in general, uh, specifically tops because that's all he has a license to at this present moment in time. Um, this has sparked many people to not only discuss whether or not the sports card market needs to be marketed, um, as well as what that marketing would look like, and more specifically, what the print runs would look like as a result of this marketing. So let's talk a little bit about print runs and maybe how to navigate the definite overproduction of, I, I don't know if overproduction is a word, but increase in, in production in sports cards, specifically in baseball. So, you know, you're someone who regularly rips product, uh, regularly rips baseball product as well. Uh, how will you go about this? And I'll tell you from my perspective of someone who typically buys singles. All right, Coach Co. what I want to tell you first and foremost is that Coach Co. collectibles and sports card cartel, we form like Voltron, sexier than peak Jessica Hahn, we live in the city, there are no lawns. Now, talking about the print runs, everyone has seen that post as it relates to the print run coming up year after year into astronomical numbers. Numbers, very silly, so silly, they are almost incomprehensible. I agree, they are incredibly silly numbers. The average collector, the new collector, um, non-collectors see these numbers and there is concern right there's a it's a talking point for everyone regardless of like how long you've been doing this or because it's a logic kind of thing uh the other thing that that they're finding uh i'm saying they because i i'm not i kind of learned my lesson from from last year's series one and you know by the way not just because of <clears throat> the, the the overprinting but like aesthetically Last year wasn't the best. This year isn't much of an improvement. Actually, I'm just being honest. I think they're kind of running out of ideas. Uh, they need better. Sometimes the simpler, the better when it comes I, to baseball cards. I like them visually this year. Better than last year. I like sure. them visually this year. I mean, well, I also you guys like read the names and stuff. And yeah, and I, and I like. Uh, I mean, it looks like an like an old school baseball card. And I also like how they included the super short prints. So the the designation of SSP at the top of the card. That was a that's, massive that's thing biggest, for me. That's that was a massive. Yeah, because that's, I mean, honestly, I 
my eyes are terrible. Like they're not great. And and not only that, but my attention span's not great. So cool. to get me to sift through, I mean, you and I ripped a box of of series one hockey. You're gonna, you're gonna make me get the carrots from the fridge, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, listen, all right. it's, it's yeah. what it is. I stare at a screen all day. Um uh, you know, but you and I ripped the series one box, hobby box, yeah. I mean think on the weekend. Yeah. And I mean, you saw how easy it is to like not go through base cards. If they're not, if there's no designation, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's very hard. Up in that series one, it's a like, just the French variation is like, you're, you have to like hold it at an angle. Right. You see what I mean? And so Um, it's, it's tough to, you know, the fact that they have that designation, I think is big for, for people who rip. I I, I think that's that's a, that's a big improvement. That's a huge improvement. And when it comes to talking about SPs and SSPs, yeah, you no longer have to use the magnifying glass on the fine print in the back. But um, the issue is like, I'm hearing again, because I've not ripped a ton of the product. I have not ripped a full box yet, Coach Co. But, uh, and I don't think I will. But uh, it's a better rookie class than last year's Series 1 overall. Um, but what I'm hearing is not a lot of parallels. What I'm seeing as well, because obviously I see a lot of ripping. Uh, not a lot of parallels in the hobby box, especially not a lot of SP. So what's happening is, so this inflated print run is making the SPs and the parallels a little tougher. I mean, even if it's like, even if it's on the surface level tougher, I mean, there's camo is still out of the same number. Yes. Mother's day, father's day, still out of the same number. Uh, gold is always, that number is always changing, but the point is, same same number of those. It's just that there's so much base that it's seemingly becoming more difficult. And, you know, hopefully that translates in terms of value, uh, makes them rare, makes them more of a chase, makes them more valuable. But for the for for it look, if you're if you're the average collector, you're 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 not gonna notice these things. It's gonna be the same thing. If you're a long-term collector, you may appreciate the fact that it is kind of adding value. And if you're the <clears throat> the newcomer or you're someone who didn't take that seriously. You like your base cards anyway. How about this, Coach Co? I am hearing more and more these days than, say, last year or the year before that people are collecting sets. I was just about to say the same thing. I think that this, and that was the biggest point I think I was going to make about this, is that I think the over the increase in production for people who rip makes it more likely to collect a baseball set again, like the full set again. And I think that that's something that we've kind of gone away from I mean, we've definitely gone away from during the boom um, where it was literally just like dollar in, dollar out. Um, but I think that has the potential to create some deeply rooted love for the hobby, whether it was there before or potentially someone coming in and is like, you know what? I have 75% of the set already. Like, why not just th- throw it in a binder and complete it? Do you know what okay. I mean? And we've seen some big feeds in the hobby uh, show off uh, their binders and putting sets together because they appreciate uh, the photography, the, the player selection. We've seen this uh, via the Tops base set, Stadium Club, Heritage. There are appreciators of these products. They get a lot of love from creators like uh, Striker Breaks on YouTube. So it's a thing. And the interesting thing is, what do a lot of people do with their base cards when they're done ripping? They donate them? They toss them into the garbage, man. I mean, do they toss them into the garbage? They toss them into the garbage. I just keep them uh, aside I and I, I use them as I use them as the fillers for like when I sell cards. Like let's say I sell a baseball single. Man, I'll fill it in in the team bag with Man, I'm using those. I'm using those decoys. Cards. Man, I love those decoys. Yeah, no, and I use I use loose base base cards because you never know who who PCs what, and you know what I mean. So I'm like, it, you, I don't know. You you could get a cool card that of a player Co, that you like in there. You know what I mean? Co, I've had throw-ins that I ended up like grading and are like PSA tens in my PC. PC. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So no, I, I'm I'm all for that, but I'm just saying, um, a lot of people do throw them out. I can only imagine the uh the garbage area behind like backyard breaks or outfits like that. Let's be, let's be honest. Like I'm, I'm not saying it as a negative thing. They just, what are we going to do with all these base cards? And when you watch a, a, a like a stream, right. You'll you, there, there'll be people like, Hey, can I, can you send me the base cards? I'm collecting a set. 
But if you don't have that individual asking that, they're throwing those cards out, man. Um, hence, hence the Lameem James, you know, uh, memes about destroying the environment. It's a real thing, man. These garbage bags are going out full of common cards at stores, at, you know, breakers. It's not, and it's a tough thing. I've had a stack handed to me when someone's done ripping and I'm just like, what am I going to do with these? I'll keep them around during the day to give them to kids. But if, you know, one, that only goes so far and then eventually you have to toss them. People say, oh, send them to the hospital. Send them to sick kids. I got news for you. I was doing that every year of my life for like a decade until they told me to stop. I know. I heard that. I heard that too recently, actually. They had too many. So. I heard but listen, how do they have too many? Why don't they just give kids more cards? Because, bro, it accumulates, man. It accumulates. Then, then someone's not doing their job. Well, look, that's a whole other... Every time a kid comes into comes into sick kids, they should get baseball cards, bro. I agree, but I, I really do think it gets to that point. What, am I the only individual that had that thought? I, there's 20 people around me who had that it's, thought. It's like Red Lobster with the pogs back in the day. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That treasure chest? For me, bro, for me, it was the puffy stickers, man. Yeah. That, made my, that made my week. That I made loved my I loved going to Red Lobster and getting those pogs, I'm getting the man. Mike Bossy puffy stickers, and I've, I'm the king of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, funny. I know, and I am. I'm trying to make you feel jealous because that was a golden era, man. They bring out that treasure chest, game over. Um, yeah, I know. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff gets tossed, and these set builders are like, hey, I, I need, uh, you know, I, I, I need this uh, Xavier uh, Bogarts, or um, am I screwing up his name? Anyway, Zan Xander, Xander, Xander Bogarts. I need his card and I, I cannot source that for you like this. I don't know where to, where to get that. And I probably had seven of them in my hand, but they're gone. So, I mean, that's something to take into consideration when people talk about these um, printing numbers, they're not all going to exist. There was a really interesting post. Who was it? I don't know because I have Alzheimer's early onset, but someone posted about the gold, uh, the, the, the one of one Steph Curry that probably doesn't exist because it was probably thrown out. It may have been Patrick Ryan. Um, I, th I think it might have been a repost from uh, Eric Whitebeck. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah. And, and what, a, you know, like, I like that analysis. He, he may not be right. He's just, yeah. he's just um, kind of throwing well, it out there. Yeah, he's, he's just trying to get conversation going, right? Because like, it's, it's, on the toilet it's the never shower. surfaced. It's, I mean, to, I yeah. mean, it's, in social media terms, it's never surfaced. But it was a great point about, yeah. These were dished out to non-collectors at a time when the hobby was at a low and it was just for fun. And they're just like, screw this. We don't know what this is. It's like that kid who put the the, the sun the, blackboard the, sticker. Yeah, yeah. The one of one in, in the, the book, in the, the sticker book. You know how many SPs with the magnifying glass situation have been thrown out over the years? A hundred percent, especially during breaks. You think you think a breaker is going to go through and like look at all those serial numbers? Yeah, right. There's so many like subtle SPs too in the history of cards. I mean, uh, even in in the UFC realm, uh, Tops 2010, uh, which was their real big overprinted release because they started off very slow entering the market. They had that like so the John Jones card would have like bones on it, or the Anderson Silva card would have the spider. And really, for short printed nickname. Really, cards. but you go through them so fast. I can only imagine how many were thrown out. And uh, now they're very in demand because where the hell are they? So they had to be thrown out. I mean, Tops put them out there. Uh, we have learned that sometimes Tops screws up. They'll tell you there's an SP, but they won't put it in there. But anyway, um, the numbers are kind of absurd. It, it is likely going to be because of the way... I mean, I thought it was going to be because they were going to be like increasing retail, but then I'm reading these things about that they want to focus on the hobby releases, not so much retail. I'm 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 reading cross purposes, different things here. I, I don't know, but I mean, it's it's well over a million base cards per player. Yeah, yeah, and and again, and, and if, just if to put into perspective, longer. just to put into perspective, in 2015, that number was closer to 250 thousand. So and again, it's, and, and it's 2015 it's like, was a was not a booming point. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much four X since 2015. Yeah, minimum. Um, the the conversation about population reports and things. I mean, like, I have to go back to the Connor McDavid Young Gun. There are so many gems out there, and yet the prices continue to pop off. Uh, people are still pulling them. Anyone that follows my feed saw that a Connor, a fresh Connor, was birthed just this past week. 
they're still out there. Um, there's more coming in. Anytime someone pulls them, they're grading them. They have an extremely high gem rate, but nobody seems to care because it's such an iconic card. Um, I'm sure a lot of BGS 9.5s are getting cracked too, especially with like all the the BGS slander oh, yeah. lately. Do you know what I mean? Like, And oh, the, huge, the huge price discrepancy, quite frankly. It's one of the most glaring price discrepancies in the hobby, I think, yeah. the BGS 9.5 versus PSA 10 McDavid yeah. Younger. Yeah, it really is. And that's not saying like, you know, and the what? So like the PSA population isn't that high. It is. It's really high. Yeah, they're both high. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, also, also when we start getting into this realm, it's quite it's like, especially when it comes to a very popular player and a very popular card, those population reports aren't really accurate. You know what I mean? Like they're just at least when it comes to like the nines, nine fives and tens, like maybe the tens, because I don't think anyone's going to reasonably crack out a 10 and like attempt right. to cross that somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. But you know, like a BGS nine five, like there's probably significantly less than those that exist, or That's like true. All, all things considered. Do you know That's what true. I mean? Uh, same thing with PSA nines. I, I would say there's probably considerably less than those, like actually that exist. Um, because even if you crack out a PSA nine once and then do it again, and it's a PSA nine again, it's still the same PSA nine, but it look, comes up as two PSA nine. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. That's true. Um, um look, I mean I, I could be wrong on this. I'm not going into the deep analysis, but there are some products in the 2022 tops repertoire that are are starting to see some aftermarket boosts among them. Tops Chrome Cosmic. Um I like that. I like that set. Tops gilded collection. Well, if you like that set, Coach Co. I mean, I'm not paying these. The cartel's been stacking some hobby. No, no, I'm not. But I'm looking for singies of that set. That's smart. Um, Now, I mean, the hobby boxes are full of singies, but uh, that does indicate. Look, there's there's always going to be different sectors for different hobbyists. If someone wants something with a more limited run, Top's going to give you these more limited runs. There's ultra limited runs of the stuff that they offer online, like Sapphire. And then I do think for the sake of the hobby, the marketing and getting the cards out there and all this video material that you see of people ripping the cards, uh, Doug Plagans of the, of the Panthers commentary team, they had him doing something, um, is, is, is good and a net positive for the hobby because you're getting it out there that there's cards. It's very exciting. Even in Series 1, there's some fantastic autographs and parallels people are getting excited about. My buddy's texting me. I just pulled this great camo rookie card. Uh, I got this great silver pack card. I got this great autograph. I, I pulled a wonderful autograph. So there's good stuff going on there. And it's kind of, it's like Upper Deck Series 1 and 2. It's like getting it out there to the masses. I think that's a positive thing. Easier to get it into, into people's hands. They get it on a retail level. They get it at a hobby shop level. It's a tradition. It's an annual tradition. I think the people building the sets and who treat it as an annual tradition really don't care about the printing uh, numbers. They don't. They're just, they're living in their own world, collecting the set, collecting the cards. Anything else is gravy if they pull like a cool autograph or a cool parallel. Let me ask you something. I'm sorry sorry to interrupt you. It's okay. What's worse? Tim Horton? The, no. What's worse? The state that we were in during the the hobby boom where there was no retail available to anybody or the state that we're in now with theoretical overproduction what's worse and not say that like it wasn't overproduced back then but there was like scarcity and people couldn't rip and and as a result of that retail products were like disgustingly high the resale market for those retail products was disgustingly high people were getting stabbed at targets and walmarts they were fighting over over stock um so uh, let me ask you, what's worse to, to, to the people that say that like this overproduction is here? What's worse, having not enough product for people and, you know, people getting hosed on on stuff that yeah. is, is generally inexpensive or having stuff available for anyone who wants to purchase it? It was a strange artificial scarcity, too, because you're, what are you going to tell me that 2019-20 mosaic basketball is is not overproduced or, or prism? That's or what I said. That That's what I said. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, but it it was a terrible look for the hobby just in general, the way people were behaving. But I actually wanted to rip. I, I, know, I was I at home. Dealers... I was at home. I was at home doing nothing. I wanted to rip. I couldn't. You know, yeah, like yeah, you and I, I know, you and, and I could and not I have. Guys, we could not rip. We there was not an option for us to rip. 
And these, these guys are at all the shows you go to and that I go to co the corner with their big booths. Those MFers were the guys that were, that had connections and they were backdooring it and they were quadrupling five, six, seven, eight Xing their money. And, uh, You'll still see newbies who meet these guys and say, he's a really cool guy. He's got a lot of stuff in his display case. He's really cool, has a lot of knowledge. He's been around a long time. I even heard his store is famous. Well, these are the same guys that were doing that. It's a really bad look for the hobby. Um, now, like, people are posting videos and pictures of the fact that their local Target and Walmart is are well-stocked, um, which makes so, sense. I mean, So, like, can, can we win? You know what I mean? Like... Right. Can the, can the hobby ever be happy? My question. Yeah, yeah. Can the hobby ever be happy? Because the hobby right. was outraged when there was like nothing on the shelves and yeah, there's nothing for the kids. And now the hobby's outraged that there's tons it's of stuff. Much. There's so much stuff. There's like it's too much. so many different sets. There's there's different price points. Like you can't tell me that you can't you can't go to Walmart and find something that like that's affordable for a kid to rip. Like a blaster is probably what, 25 bucks, 30 bucks for the new top series one. I mean, I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know. Um, probably Canadian. Yeah. But even if you wait, I mean, let's say you wait, you buy Heritage. It's like relatively like cheaper or whatever. Right. There's always the, the hobby. The hobby's weird, man. Like there's all that product uh, for a UFC guy like myself. It's so difficult to get any UFC product, retail hobby or otherwise. And, you know, a release like Immaculate sells through and pre-order. It's difficult. This is why I always kind of harken back, hark, hark, to the fact that there's so many sectors and niches and crevices, cracks, folds in the hobby. There are many folds. They smell very bad uh, in the hobby. And you can kind of find your spot, pick and choose, rather than just like focus on the one thing, I guess. I mean, all this folk, I mean, people mean well when they're talking about the printing presses, but the way they're coming at it so fervently, oh, tops, how dare you do this with series one? Makes everything seem bad. It, it kind of makes every, it's really bad. It's like it, it, you're, you're creating this, this tone of negativity and, and, it, and, it, and a lot of it, maybe it's just Miko, but a lot of it even has this like a little touch of, uh, a little touch of, oh, you stupid, silly people. Look what you're doing. And it's like, where, who's the source of this? Like, why are you high and mighty? High and mighty? Why are you high and mighty on the mountain? Who put you there? That you're looking down at everybody like, oh, you silly fools. Like, wait a minute. So, some people are like Coach Co. They're not touching it anyway. But you're talking to this generalized public in your mind where you're just like, you silly fools. Look at these print runs. You are foolish. And it's, it's I don't know, it's being overstated. We get it. I knew it. I didn't need to see. I didn't. Need I don't. To I don't think. I don't know. I, I base cards are coming down to the price that they have been for decades. You know, like a yeah, base what? a base rookie has always been relatively cheap. Yeah, and and now it's getting back there. Um, which I think are is we? I I which I think is great. I think it's great that a base rookie is cheap. I think it's great that a kid can i don't know fall in love with uh, michael harris and and own his card for like 10 15 bucks you know and if he waits Absolutely. like if he waits two two months he can probably own a michael harris for like eight dollars or six dollars or five dollars yeah and, and like it, the, and that could be his favorite hobby. player you know like i don't yeah. know maybe he signed a ball during spring training for him but in the hockey hobby poor kids in their base sets if they like an, a young gun that pops off, that's very expensive right off the bat for them. Even if it's 50 bucks, it's expensive for them. I mean, a kid, a kid like can't afford to, to buy it like a Matty Beneers. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, but they can't afford uh marquee rookies. I agree. MVP. I agree. Right. Even the, uh, the, the base that, what is that set? The factory set that comes with all the rookies in it. Star rookies. Yeah. Whatever. Regardless. Yeah. They have options to have like their favorite players, rookie cards. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and so I think that like, I don't know if anything really changes. I think I think the the concern is if you rip, with the intention of, I don't know, pulling something. Like I just I I think that you need to, and more people need to go into ripping product specifically with these increased pr print runs, with the in the notion in the back of their head that this is probably gonna be like lighting. I mean, like like P Ryan says, it's like lighting money money on fire. 
You know what I mean? Like it's and 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 that's fine. Like, but but you're not expected to make a certain return back. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of the experience. You need to like lean into it. And I think that's kind of how it's got to be. And this way, if you pull anything, that's great. You know, but on average, I would say as print runs increase and, and it's becoming increasingly difficult to get parallels and short prints and, and whatever. Um, you know, particularly if you're buying retail product that doesn't have guaranteed autographs. And even if you do have a guaranteed autograph, it's usually, I mean, might not be great. I, I think you just kind of have to embrace the process. If you rip product, you need to embrace ripping. It can't be ripping for the, the sake of, you know, doubling, tripling, quadrupling, hitting the big hit, because it's going to become increasingly difficult to do that. Yeah. Yep. And I think those are the people that are the most sour. Now, alternatively, if you want to avoid that, I mean, yes, there's a lot of parallels. And there was actually a photo posted recently of someone who managed to assemble the entire parallel set of the 2022 tops. I, I think it might have been series one. Um, and I think there was like 66 parallels there, which is kind of crazy, but I, I think you just have to find a parallel that works for you, works with your price point. Like, I, I also think a lot of people need to stop thinking that like, they're going to get rich from sports cards or from like buying one sports card and holding that forever. Yeah. Um, you... I, I think a lot of the people who speak as though like that, that's happened to them happened at a time where. There was less knowledge in the market. There was probably less people actively involved in the market. I just think it's not really. I I just I do not see there to be a time where you can get an ultra modern player, and and you're going to be rich holding that one card forever. Like and and I just I don't know. Could be wrong. We're coming out of a time where it was easy for anyone, and that's not realistic. And we're going back to a time, we've mentioned this before, where if you really want to make something out of it, if you want to run a business, and you can still get rich. I think we've had some conversations about how there's a few uh, feeds right now that, ha- that are making it seem like you can get rich as long as you're willing to wait 300 years. But there are strategies. And that's going to require experience, intelligence, knowledge, and proper navigation of this space. It's absolutely possible. And that's the whole point. We're back to where we were. We're back to where we were before the boom. We are going to see things happen more organically in terms of who the hobby chooses or what product they choose. Um, I don't think a lot of people could tell you that they saw Chrome Cosmic coming in terms of what happened with uh, the resale price of that product. Um, and that's good because now it's a space where it's like, it's not a level playing field. You, you do, you have, you either have to know what you're doing if you want to do something with it as, as a business or just collect and shut up, collect, love it. If that's what you're doing, if that's the point, do it. Right. And, th- and those aren't the people on IG having these conversations. They're not, no, no, no. No. Right. It's like, uh, you know, the whole, the, the hobby is way more than IG influencers and the people in your feed that, that are running businesses or are dealers or who are creating content regarding cards. The hobby is a lot of people. There's just average people. They want to collect. They think cards are cool. They're not, they, they do not have time for it. They really don't. I know people, I don't want to single people out, but this is actually going to segue quite nicely, but you know, they, they, they have lives. They, they don't have the time for it. And I, I even had a gentleman say to me, like, like after he pulled some big cards, and obviously those big cards, they're going to go to consigners or they're going to try to sell it or they, they know the deal. The rest of it, even cards like, I'm going to say anywhere between $10 and $100. Like, what do I do with these? Well, you put them in a box. Where do I put the box? Well, you put it somewhere in your home. Well, what do I tell my wife? And then it just becomes this realization that people don't look at this the same way as us. And, and they are the same people for, for, for the most part. But it's, a, it's all for a foreign concept to them. The, 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 the idea of having boxes around full of cards is a foreign concept. And it's actually a very um, non-attractive. And those, and those people are probably not like going on eBay and looking up comps. 
Do you know what I mean? They're not like staring at comps. They know how to look up comps. They're not staring at comps on card ladder and saying, "Why didn't I get? Why didn't I get value out of this? Why didn't I get value out of this? Out of this box?" They know what a one thirty point is. Now here's the thing. So it's like my big concern are the things that will turn off the average person. So like something I was dealing with earlier today with a couple people was how eBay can be a huge turnoff because it's very difficult to get going. The reason why consignment places exist like Probstein and Slab Sharks and PWCC is because of how difficult it can be to integrate a new account. Like number one, you're just not going to get as much attention in bids because people are going to question your account if you're starting off with the big goose egg. You're going to have to have your, your, your funds held. Like, man, there's no degree to what eBay will do for me as a long-term seller. They get out the VIP service. I put my feet up. They start rubbing my feet. Um, in some cases, they do even more to my feet. But the point is, to this new to this new entrant, it's terrible. And now I'm hearing about like, there's certain fees you pay that are non-refundable if you don't sell the item. And that kind of blows people's mind. And then they just get a sour taste in their mouth about the whole process, you know? And it's like, so that, that always reminds me, you know, you know, I get a little testy and nasty when it comes to certain outfits in the hobby. Um, but they are providing important services. I'm talking about breakers. I'm talking about consignment. Important. But also important that if they're going to be the ones to represent the hobby, that's why I put a lot of, that's my pushback is I want those outfits to provide a fantastic service, to be very upfront and to be like very professional about what they're doing. I appreciate that because that is going to help keep the person involved. There are people with money that, they see opportunity in it and it has a little touch of something extra that gambling doesn't. It's got a little touch of nostalgia. Uh, it's another way to enjoy the sports that people like. So it's important stuff. And then, you know, as you know, coach, another thing I was talking about was all these posts talking about the evil dealers. I talk about evil dealers. I did it earlier, just like 10 minutes ago, right? The evil dealers, the evil stores that will rip you off. They will rip off your children. They will send you home with only 60% of what you deserve, but they will try to charge you 120%. Okay, resale business, like any other business, has some of these elements and people just do not care to stop and think about things like overhead, people running actual legitimate businesses. That's because there's people running non-legitimate businesses. I get it. But a lot of people are running legitimate businesses. A lot of people do have overhead and it is a resale business just like any other. Um, it's not just cards, right? It's You can run them all down the line. There's a ton of resale businesses. I and, actually have a funny... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I, and I want, you to, I want you to tell us, because we, you and I are troops on the ground, man. We see it all. I'm very well familiar with the guys that I would never have my friends or new entrants deal with in the hobby, there's people I will send their way. But to start to villainize everyone and make sweeping generalizations, you are really hurting the hobby. And I you're scaring that, off people potentially who are going to be coming in. I think there's just a, a lot of people that are butthurt right now in general. And I mean, it, and a lot of that, absolutely. and a lot of that, a lot of that just has to do with kind of the situation we're in, like economically. And, and I mean, you know, you turn on the news is always something bad, right? So, and I have a funny sweet. story. I was at a local card shop and uh, the phone rings and uh, hanging out there with them and uh, gentleman calls and the phone call was quite long. And like, I mean, generally phone calls are kind of like, are you guys open Do you? You know, are you do you have this product? Maybe is this yeah. I have a bunch of 90s cards. I want to. Yes, it gets better. It gets better. Oh, so, no. yes, it is. I have a bunch of 90s cards and that the gentleman on the other end gets asked. Uh, you know, like roughly what years, and they say like eighty nine to I think it's ninety three, and and he's like, unfortunately, we we don't buy those generally. Um, we're not really looking to purchase those cards, and he's like, well, why not? And uh, so the person who's working at the card shop is like, well, there's just not there's not really a a ton of a market for those, quite frankly. Um, and he's like, well, like some of these cards are like a dollar. And uh, he's like, well, I would have to buy them at like 50 cents, you know, and then and then to sell them for he's a already, dollar. He's already saying too much. 
Like, and no, no, I know, but like, he's just being respectful. He's like, hey, listen, like, I'm having a real conversation with you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would have to purchase these off of you for 50 cents. And even then, he's like, it's not worth the hassle, quite frankly. Like, no, no need to be disrespectful, but like, I get these all the time. And the guy proceeds to yell at him and say he's a scammer. And he said he's called multiple card shops. And no one wants to buy his stuff. So how is he a scammer? If he uh, called multiple, that's what I, he's, he said. He wasn't so, buying them. He literally said he wasn't buying I mean, them. Look, I, so I'm like, I how know. how is that work? I don't understand. Yeah, I I saw and it's and it and I'll tell you, man, it made me upset. I I think I I know the story you're talking about. I was looking at their online reviews, and they get all these wonderful reviews. Every local card store here in Toronto gets great reviews online, because for the most part. They do what they specifically do well. There's there's one store where maybe the customer service isn't great, but they have all the product and they have an area where people go and play games and they do that well. And then the store you're talking about, the store I'm associated with, is about a customer experience. And 90% of the feedback is positive. But I saw this and it made me upset for them. I know what you're talking about. Someone wrote like, they they didn't want my cards. They're terrible. These people are horrible. Like, oh, my goodness, um, that's 100% personalized on their level. It's a lot of guys my age who I think are frustrated by a variety of things to begin with. And then they're now they're frustrated that the stuff that they collect, listen, I'm aware of it. I feel bad. I, I Yeah. Imagine holding on enough. to something. Imagine holding on to something for, for like 30 yeah. years and that you've put time and energy into like at like critical years of your life and someone to tell you, sorry, this is basically worthless like yeah and there's not enough made of the fact that you know the same companies that are around today tops and upper deck were responsible for that and they kind of like they took advantage of our parents they didn't take advantage of me it wasn't my credit card it wasn't my money they took advantage of our parents actually who don't pay attention and are of a generation that does not have time to complain like that's all we do but our, our parents' generation didn't have time to take notice or complain, and there's not enough said about that, in my opinion, actually, of what those companies did from 1989 to 1993, roughly. Um, so, yeah, that's a real thing, and I feel bad. However, the cartel, one of these days, Brendan, may, I may offer a coaching class. We are the cardboard coaches. On 90s, on 90s cards? On how to deal with oh. these individuals. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting a lot of experience with that right now in life, but I'll just give you an example. A family came in that had inherited a collection of this stuff. Number one, I looked at it. Okay. I didn't just like push it to the side and tell them to F off. I'm not saying that that's, that's no, 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 no. at all. Cause I've been there several times. Like people yeah. come in with the stuff, right? Like I look at the stuff and as I'm looking through, I'm explaining to them, the, the whole story, and I'm able to do that well because I come from there. And by explaining to them why it is, um, that helps a little bit. And you want to create a, 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 a kind of a, a feedback loop here where you're, you understand, like I'm extremely sensitive to the fact that they have high hopes based on nothing. It's literally based on nothing. It's well, not maybe, like maybe they saw an article saying like someone sold uh, a, right. an old sports card for the ten thousand yeah. dollars or something. But, you know what I mean? Beyond, there, beyond that, there's no specific knowledge that leads them to believe that they're sitting on a gold mine, but they have high hopes, right? And yes, they probably have seen something. They walk into the store and there's this wall full of product that's really expensive. So, and and they also presented me with a Wayne Gretzky card, rookie card. And would you like to guess how long it took the cartel to figure out it was fake? I mean, it was probably less than a, a, a really, second. really, okay. yeah. So, however, with a great deal of explanation, sensitivity to the fact that this may have meant a lot to them, these people thanked me, and 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 it was generally a good interaction. And it's difficult to do catch a card store owner when they're busy. Or they've had a bad day and start talking about 90s. And by the way, some people's approaches are worse. That's true. Like, because yeah. these customers were at least nice. Yeah. Yeah. Quiet. As opposed to the guy who, who like just wants just like, wants yeah. quick cash. You know what I mean? Like, I have 10,000 cards. If you give me 
a dollar a card at ten thousand dollars. Give me right. open your safe and give me ten thousand dollars for these, and you you can sell them for five dollars. Like I've yeah. seen people do that. You know what I mean? Like oh, you can sell this for you can sell all you know, each card is five dollars each. Here's ten thousand cards. Give me. Yeah. Six six thousand bucks or five thousand bucks, and I'm right. like, eh, like I don't really know if you understand how buying works. I'm gonna explain <laughs> to them. I'm gonna explain to them the difference between the new stuff and their stuff. I'm gonna explain to them how that all works, and I want them to leave with with that understanding, so that at least when they leave, they don't think that this entire hobby is a scam. Um, that's my goal when I when I interact with people about that stuff uh, i do i have seen some stores and it has nothing to do with toronto i mean I've, i attend stores everywhere and pay attention to everything but I, i've seen people dismiss people too quickly and leave them by the way dealing with kids is a tough one too um because i get these kids they, they know what the cards are worth so what do you what do you do for example when a kid comes in with their mom and this is a real situation and they lay a bunch of cards down a bunch of young guns and they want you to pay what they saw themselves for on ebay ebay comps ebay comps you run a store yeah and then you have to explain why you can't pay that and as you're explaining that then the mom is like this is outrageous how can you do this to my son you know how uncomfortable that is it is a tough area to navigate you're trying to take advantage of my son yeah like how dare you and you're just you're just like oh my god like i'm just trying to make a living um and i'm trying to be nice to and now there's ways to mitigate that Again, the cartel is an expert at making sure even if things start to break down, you leave the store, you got a smile on your face, the kid's happy. I'm very good at mitigating situations. It's funny. Uh, I think that once you you're in once level. you're in the hobby for a little bit, like you start to understand that like cash is king. And like just because something sold for something like like on eBay doesn't mean that that's what you're gonna get cash for. And like it's actually happened to a few of my friends where like they they look at eBay comps, they get excited, they pull a card and then they bring it to a few shows. And they realize that they can't get they can't get that for it. And and some people are offering like 60, 70 percent. And 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 that's just the amount of cash that someone wants to fork out on that card. And you have two options, either accept the cash or wait for the right person. Right. Like, yeah. And and, and that's when people learn. I mean, like, dude, these friends of ours who who are 100 percent making a career and business out of this, they're driving around all day. They're doing work that you would never want to do. These people that want 100% of what it's worth, they never stop. And, and, and they would never put in that effort. They would never. I would know. Well, I mean, they're, they're doing the effort. very bare minimum, just bringing all their stuff just to a card, a, card, a, a card shop or a card right. show and saying, buy all my stuff. You know what I mean? That's the bare minimum, bare minimum. You, did, you didn't even want to list your stuff on eBay potentially. Which yeah. like takes time and energy and you have to, you know what I mean? Like instead but, you, you wanted someone to just buy your stuff. The, the other thing I'm noticing is there is a predisposition stronger than ever before that you don't trust your fellow human being. And we're not going to get into the philo- philosophical element of whether that's a good or a bad thing. That, that, that is actually kind of an important element of humanity. But I mean, in Toronto, it's because you're going to get stabbed in the face on the subway, you know? We, we are so on guard and we're so under the impression that we are like prepared to believe right away that someone is trying to rip us off or do something negative, which is really sad. Um, and that is, by the way, how a lot of uh, stores and dealers th- thrive is being able to show that you're not that person and really going out of your way. There's always going to be the one in a hundred, right? You can get 99 positive reviews. It's always going to be the one guy who just doesn't like you. We don't like your face. He doesn't like you, period. And, um, and, and, and they're not going to be happy. But, you know, there are people out there, there's, there's, there's stores and dealers that have garnered a reputation of just being very aware of all this and handling it. I, I would recommend, you know, if there is anyone running a store or business watching us in this space, in the hobby space, um, that's my biggest bit of advice to you is just like, do the same thing. When someone comes into the store, Assume they think you're going to rip them off. Don't get upset about it. Don't get your back up against the wall. Be positively prepared to deal with that and then dish out some cardboard karma, positive cardboard karma. Give them the opposite of what they expect. Send them home, easing that tension a little bit. Like, man, I get so excited about the expo. Like, whether I'm, whether I'm vending or just going as a spectator, 
I, I'm so positive and happy that what happens is I'm actually too nice to some of these scumbags in the home because they're, they do exist. I am not trying to paint a picture of flowers and beautiful, lush, green fields. There are some scumbags out there. And I use the word scumbag specifically because I don't want to use a lighter word. And I find myself being too nice to them because I'm so positive. I'm so the opposite. But could you imagine going to the expo and being like, okay, I'm going to go to this thing because I love cards, but man, all these guys are going to try to rip me off. And by the way, you go in with that attitude. You're probably I mean, going to make definitely, no there's deals. De- there's definitely people like that though. Yeah, you're going to make no deals. You're, you're not going to have a good time. And then try the opposite. And you're going to like, you're going to come home with some cool cards. You're going to maybe have some cash. You're going to have a great time. So easy. But, uh, well, maybe not easy, but um, I, I do worry there's just this thing that's happening right now where everyone just, like, expects the worst and is negative. Um, I'm having, the, I'm having the best hobby experience I've had ever. So I think you uh, and I have both – haven't you and I both said that a lot lately? Honestly, probably the last, I'd say, three, four months have been the best hobby experience yet. And like, that's not to say that like all my cards have gone up or I haven't sold no. things for a loss or, but I, the stuff that I've been buying is just like, I love looking at it. Like no joke, like legit, I'd say 75% of the stuff I'm buying is like stuff that I just will pull out constantly uh, or like literally wait for the mail to come in. Yeah. Um, and that, that hasn't happened in a while. And, uh, you know, it feels really good. I, having some really good conversations at like a ground level with people at local card shows, small ones, you know, at local card shops, uh, you know, just talking about what people actually like and, you know, trying to get the conversation off of like, how much is this or how much is that? Um, and, uh, is it just me or I see a lot less pump and dump schemes. I see a lot of less stupidity. I see a lot less sponsored inspired stupidity. Um, so that's good. Yeah, I saw that's one, good. I saw one the other day that really made me laugh, which was, uh, if you can't, it? you can't start without getting into it. That's fine. That's fine. It was, uh, it was the one where they were talking about, uh, slap socks was talking about the ultra rare set that no one's, no one's ever heard of. Did you Flux. see that video or no? No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, it was, I believe it was an exquisite set and he, each card was numbered to the number of championships that the player had won up until that point. So um, super, super short printed stuff. I think like the the max was like four or five, like out of five, right? Per championship. Sounds difficult. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, reasonably, not a lot of people knew about the set. And the last sale was like 2015 for like this Magic Johnson. And they made that video. And conveniently enough, there was a PWCC auction with that card at auction. Uh, uh, uh. And then after the card sold, they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe that this card increased by 11,000%. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't believe that a card that I brought up that no one yeah, was aware of before. A lot of before. feeds <laughs> that have that power. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that. that's so surprising. I never knew this was going to happen. Uh, 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 someone who sponsors me to create content about cards. <laughs> it's like, Absolutely. Okay. Right? All right, cool. You know, I prefer, so, I prefer the Jeremy Lee pumping, which is yeah. just pumping hockey cards. Yeah. I like, well, that. I mean, he, I benefit, he pumped, you benefit, we all benefit. He pumped them so hard that, uh, I mean, there's a designated feed on this, on slab socks now for, for a hockey card. So, um, I mean, I've had a lot of people inquire about hockey cards recently, man. And uh, I honestly don't know where to, where to, and they're like, what should I buy? What ultra modern should I buy? And I'm like, oh, I'm the wrong person. <laughs> um, although, although I am more susceptible to an open conversation about ultra modern hockey cards than I am about like ultra modern basketball and football, just because I think the entry point for ultra modern hockey cards is much lower. And so yeah. even if you kind of like gamble on an ultra modern youngster in, in the NHL, you're not going to lose your ass. Do you know what I mean? Versus like you, you, if you buy like a prism silver of like a hot, like Cade Cunningham, when he first comes out, you are most definitely going to lose money. But like, if you buy a Matty Veneers now, that's a hundred bucks. Yeah. I don't think it's crazy to think that it's a hundred bucks in a year. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I don't know, especially when it's a Calder. Any new entrant into hockey, the first bit of advice I would give them is like, watch some hockey. 
Yes, yes, of course. Get into it. it. That's always that's always the first piece. Maybe you'll understand why we love it so much. Maybe like maybe go find like a man, hockey's so expensive to play, but like I don't know, maybe go find some buddies and play some road hockey. Um and uh, learn about the sport, then go from there. I mean, hockey has the fact that upper deck has such a rich history with all the sports, especially basketball. It has that going for it. And there is going to be an influx uh, next year with Connor Bedard. There will I, be an influx. There I agree. Sniffing around from especially, other sectors. Especially when he becomes a, a, either a Chicago Blackhawk or a Phoenix Coyote. Now, inevitably, while they're sniffing around for Bedard, they will start hearing names like McDavid and Matthews. And they're going to start looking around. We may see booms in certain product that like we've talked about ice uh ultimate and i mean you could even go you could even say uh premiere um that get overlooked by the hockey guys but those might i'm just putting it out there i'm not trying to do the pumpy dumpy please don't attack me aih well op opg opg platinum popped off and and like do you know what i mean like that was something i I see that i see that as being organic within the hockey hobby no no i agree but like but it was something that like for a lot of time was just kind of cast aside much to kind of what you're saying in terms of like ice and and i mean products of that nature but i'm just saying there could be an opportunity there how about how about the sp game use stuff where it's numbered to their jersey and it's a real rookie card that's cool I'm I mean, I, I always, I always said, don't I don't, seem to appreciate it. I always said, I don't know how premier rookie patch autographs are so cheap, but some of those patches are beautiful. I don't like the acetate kind of finish. It gets so no, scratched, yeah. but, yeah. but you know, to a basketball collector, they're going to see those and they're going to be like, this is dope. So I'm just saying that's an opportunity. Uh, speaking of opportunities, Brendan, now we had an opportunity. I think we've had a great discussion about some of these things. We were going to talk about the hockey market a little bit. Cartel's got a bit of, in a bit of a pickle here as far as his technology goes, Brendan. Always. But, but we can save that for a later date. I mean, I, I think we we've provided uh, a pretty absolutely. good discussion on to be positive. Uh, cardboard to karma, people. Cardboard karma. You can thank Cartel for that one. Cartel with the cardboard karma. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Cardboard Coaches. As always, please like, subscribe, comment, share this with a friend who needs cardboard karma in their lives. All right? right. A friend who might be looking to sell his 90s hockey and just needs to be let down gently. Please (laughs) let your friends down gently. Don't tell them it's trash. You know, guide them. Explain. Explain things. Integrate them. Okay? We love you guys. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the day. Cardboard coaches are out of here. Peace.